Hey y'all, I am Trinell Eaton, your host and the founder and CEO of I Am Beautiful Because, and this is the Love Experiment Podcast. That's the Liberation Over Vulnerabilities Experiment. On this episode, I will take a deeper dive into my childhood and explore my adulthood behaviors, attitudes, and thought patterns that have a direct correlation to how I react and respond to myself, others, and the world. Last week, I gave you a homework assignment, which I hope you brought with you, to take inventory of all of your negative behaviors and or thought patterns that are not conducive to you reaching your destiny in life. And today, we're going to discover why it is necessary to have this information stored in your back pocket and how it will launch you into your journey towards total and complete wholeness. My hopes for this podcast is that my hypothesis is true, which is that if you choose liberation over your vulnerabilities, you will achieve wholeness and efforts to prosper in all areas of your life with an overflow to share with those connected to you. The key is we all want to be whole human beings, even if that means picking up the pieces and gluing them back together. So let's work. As a reminder, this podcast is a trauma-informed care platform that may contain triggering or sensitive material related to physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. If at any point of listening to this podcast you feel triggered, please take the time to disconnect and connect with the mental health support. If you are in mental health crisis, I urge you to contact the Mental Health Access Hotline at 188-793-4357. Mary Lou, Mary Lou, where are you going, Mary Lou? That's what my grandmother would say to me every morning that I got up at 6 a.m. fully dressed with my mother's high heel shoes on and an arm filled with bags. In fact, I, I was called bag lady well before Erica Bardu even coined the phrase, let's be clear. But at the age of four, my imagination was so vivid and it took me to places far beyond the measures of which I had seen anyone in my family accomplish. I'm going to work, I replied. And where's work? She said, Ma, I'm a lawyer. Remember, I told you already. (laughs) Man, I can remember those conversations just as if they were yesterday. And as far as I can remember, I've always enjoyed being an early riser and going outside to play from sunup to sundown. I was such a social butterfly, and I enjoyed things like singing, dancing, drawing, and playwriting, all which seemed to be normal for a nine-year-old girl, right? But the truth is, things were far from normal for me. All before I reached the age of nine, I had experienced homelessness and had been exposed to ill-suited behaviors that were associated with my parents' drug addictions. I witnessed domestic violence in my home, and I was beaten regularly while I was forced to believe that I was a bad child for simply speaking my mind or sharing how I felt. And as if things weren't already convoluted, I then too became a victim of child sexual abuse at the hands of someone extremely close to me 
at the age of nine. Now, although I was already grappling with the physical and uh, physical and emotional abuse, it was the sexual abuse that branched off into its own compartment of trauma for me because unlike the other forms of abuse, I was sworn into secrecy. And so here's the thing about secrecy. When I'm teaching about prevention of child sexual abuse, I teach parents and children that we do not play the game of secrets. And I know, you know, when our kids are younger, we like to play the game of secrecy because it not only is a fun game for them, can you keep a secret? Let me whisper in your ear, we giggle and we laugh and play. But it's a way to teach children how to trust. But here's the issue with the game of secrecy. One, it's a very fun game for kid, for little kids, like I said before. But it is also a tactic for predators to groom young kids into believing that if you keep this secret, then you keep my love and then you earn my trust. And we don't want that for our children because it prevents them from reporting their abuse. And that's what was happening with me. This secrecy that I had sworn into, I wanted to be loved by this person and I wanted to for sure keep their trust and not disappoint them. Disappoint them excuse me. So the secrecy caused me to bottle up or suppress everything that I had going on in the inside of me. And because everyone were so caught up in their own dysfunctions and adverse experiences, no one could ever see or hear the turmoil that I was going through. Now I'm going to back up just a little bit because I want to make sure that I make this point. It's so important because some of us are parents and if we aren't emptied of our own dysfunctions, then we could possibly be missing the very things that are going on in our children's lives. I displayed lots of telltale signs of sexual abuse. In fact, the first year that it happened, my father was called to my school because my academic functioning significantly declined, which continued all the way up and through high school. And guess what? I was getting beat because my grades were bad. Just imagine if someone would have stopped and take a look at why I um, declined you may have been able to pull that out, tease it out anyway. But what I want parents to understand is that we have to acknowledge that kids don't do bad just for the sake of doing bad. We, they want nothing but to please their parents. So parents, please play close attention to your children and know that behaviors are formed by experiences. Also, we could be passing along our own ill-suited behaviors onto them, like substance abuse, alcoholism, cursing, teenage pregnancy, etc. I know I picked up a lot of my parents' ill-suited behaviors. I picked up smoking weed. I engaged in sex early. Even with my parenting, I remember there was a time Zephan was playing in the house and he broke a vase. Now, I allowed him to play ball in the house all the time and never considered, you know, he could break a vase. And immediately, I went to scream at him for breaking a vase. And then I immediately had to realize that it was a mistake. He did not intend to throw the ball and break the vase. But what I knew was that in the midst of playing, if you broke something, you were going to get spanked. Or you were going to get yelled at. It's it's your fault. 
again, ill-suited behavior that I had to correct, um, that I had picked up from, from my mom's parenting. If we don't shift our paradigms, we could potentially be producing another cycle of dysfunction, another cycle of the generational curse that must be broken. We have to break generational curses by breaking the molds of our traumas and becoming healthier people so that we may love and be loved freely. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait to talk about what love really is. I mean, because we've really been doing this love thing wrong. We've been conceptualizing it wrong. And I I can't wait to crack the whip on that. Um, next week's episode talks a little more about love. But moving moving forward, I share this story not to feel a void, but to paint a picture of how we as adults have developed behaviors and thought patterns that have been shaped and molded by our adverse childhood experiences. These experiences often get in the way of us caring for ourselves and families, as I shared before, and building a career and or business and relationships. The modes of our past experience are the ones that have shaped and distorted our thought patterns about who we are, how we feel, and what we can and cannot do. Oftentimes, we give them way too much power and control over how we think and behave. And the truth is, those experiences have absolutely no power unless you give it to them. It's extremely important to understand that taking steps towards wholeness will shift your whole perspective on how you think, act, and behave. And if you're anything like me, you're probably saying to yourself right now, but I'm trying and it's easier said than done. Or I'm afraid that if I confront these areas of my life, then I'll have to alter other areas. Listen, I get it. I get it. But in order to become who you're destined to be, we must break out of those modes. We must break out of those old mindsets and those old behaviors in order to be shaped and formed into new modes that gives us the opportunity and space to walk freely in who we're called to be. If you didn't catch last week's episode, I gave out a homework assignment to take inventory of negative behaviors and thought patterns that get in the way of you achieving your life goals and living freely. It is so important to be able to tease out these behaviors because, um, and, and I say it's called taking inventory, but taking inventory will do these three things. It'll help you recognize that you're not your past experience. It helps you recognize that there are some possible triggers that are leading to these negative thought patterns or behaviors. And lastly, it helps you honor what you have done to survive. That piece is so important um, because oftentimes we beat ourselves up about, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that or, oh, I shouldn't have spent the day in the bed or, oh, I shouldn't have watched porn. But those are all survival tactics that you have learned to put in spaces to fill a void that you um, that you may have that was created by a particular trauma. And so what taking inventory does in this particular area is it helps you tease out or identify your negative coping strategies and efforts to create new and healthier coping mechanisms to um, as replacement behaviors. 
Now, the reason we react or respond to certain situations negatively is because once you have experienced a trauma, your brain and body becomes trained to instantly recognize that feeling you felt at that moment and helps you to develop a coping strategy so that you won't either experience it ever again or you'll know exactly what you need to do to protect yourself. This is called an acute stress response. Anything that your body perceives as a risk or a threat, it will immediately respond and resort to what you know, which is fight or flight. Do me a favor, grab your list of behaviors and see if you have one or more of these behaviors or thought patterns on your list. If you've ever experienced any form of abuse, then you're more than likely to have one or more of these associated symptoms. As I call them out, I want you to raise your hand to each one you identify with and relax. (laughs) No one can see you but you. And believe me, I identify with most of them, if not all. (laughs) It's actually my list. So let's, let's take a look. Anxiety and worry a lack of trust. And and I'm going to go back and forth with some of them. I'm not going to do it with all, but with some of them, I'm going to show you how it directly correlates with my adverse childhood experience, right? So lack of trust. Remember when I told you I was sworn into secrecy. Secrets are about trust. So not only was I taught how to build trust incorrectly, my trust was broken because this was done to me by someone that I knew, loved, and trusted, right? Um, next, giving others the responsibility of filling your voids. This is how we get disappointed because we don't know, uh, if we don't know our triggers, then we're not able to communicate or verbalize to someone who has triggered us and why we've been triggered. So we can't We have to, let me say this, we have to learn exactly what our triggers are and we can't hold people accountable if we've never explained to them what those triggers are or if we don't know how to communicate appropriately about those triggers. Next, fear of being taken advantage of, again, goes directly back to my childhood experience with sexual abuse, right? I was taken advantage of. So naturally, and this is one that's probably always going to stick with me, but because I know it exists, I have now, you know, figured out ways to comfort myself or even just um, triage before going into a situation and automatically assuming that I'm going to be taken advantage of. Fear of engaging in conversation with new or random people. Again, this looks like, you know, for me, I've been in a lot of big rooms with, you know, big wig people. I've had great opportunities. But in those moments um, in the past, I've played really small. I didn't live up to my potential and I didn't feel like I deserved to be in the room. So I, I was displaying the imposter syndrome. It's what it's called. Next, yelling or cursing when having a disagreement, a constant need for validation or reassurance. Uh, That looks like constantly checking your social media for likes, um, checking in with people before you, you know, share your gift and constantly asking for approval. Uh, Let's see what else. Feeling a need to protect or apologize to someone who hurt you first. Easily angered, insomnia, 
running from a conflict instead of addressing it. Let me tell you, that's probably one of the (laughs) favorite things that I used to love to do. I would put my sneakers on quick, fast, and a hurry. But now I have learned to be comfortable in sharing who I am, what I'm feeling. And sometimes it's almost uncomfortable for the other person because they're not used to someone, you know, just conveying their emotions in a very light manner. I don't have to yell when I have a disagreement. I don't have to curse. I don't have to argue. I can simply get my point across. And most people aren't used to um, someone communicating their feelings, especially when they've been let down or disappointed in a very mild tone. Uh, let's see, acting as if you don't have feelings. That was a big one for me. Uh, overindulging in sexual activity, engaging in self-sabotaging behaviors. <laughs> that goes back to cutting off relationships or opportunities um, one, because it may be too good to be true Two, someone can't fill the void that you've never communicated that you need. Um, you know, so you begin to do things to end or cut the supply of the relationship. Uh, let's see, just a couple more people pleasing, operating as Olivia Pope or Jesus himself. You are not the fixer. Here's a good point. A couple years ago, my cousin had said to me, Trinelle, you know, you do realize why you attract broken people or why you love to, you know, help people. And I'm like, it's because I love people. And he's like, uh, no, that's that's a part of it. But the the larger part of it is that you don't want people to experience anything that you've ever experienced before um, in terms of having emotional hurt, uh, physical hurt. And so you try to do your best to triage or fix the problem before it happens to them. And what I had to realize is that, no, I am not Jesus. I don't have the answers to everything. And I cannot overwhelm or overconsume myself with other bur- other people's burdens um, and not really um, invest in my mental space. And we'll talk about that too. Um, Because again, we are here to serve others, but we have to create a distinction between taking on people's burdens and carrying them versus listening to them and helping them through them. And the last one, self-medicating with your vices. For some people, it's drugs. Some it's alcohols. For others, it's porn, traveling, and uh, even working. Now, those are just a few that come directly to mind, but please keep in mind that this list is not limited or exclusive to your trauma. However, these are some for sure telltale signs of trauma. And all of these behaviors have a root, which means that you may have to do some digging to get to the bottom of it. But in doing this, you will produce a much healthier you. I hear people say, far too often that this is just me. You'll have to accept me for me and I ain't changing for nobody. But what I really hear is I'm not about to put myself out there to be vulnerable, to be judged, to be um, taken advantage of. Again, that's where the false realities, the false truths, the false vulnerabilities come from. If you choose liberation to free those vulnerabilities, I promise you, 
you will arrive at a lighter, healthier space. And truth be told, that's not who you are. That's who you became based upon your past experiences. And trust me, you want to make sure you leave those past experiences in the past because the past is the only prison that will prevent you from soaring into an abundant life. Now, what I can say is that I do know that during this season of quarantine, it has been one of the most challenging times emotionally, especially if you have not begun to confront your trauma, because if it has done nothing else, it has made you feel lonely. Even if you're in a house full of people, you still feel lonely. And that's because you have not gotten to the core of who you are and whose you are. There is something literally screaming to be birthed out of your trauma and or past experiences. And again, I know some, it, sometimes we question, well, why me, God? And why this? But the truth is, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. He literally gave you that source of pain because he knew that you were strong enough to, cont- to carry, excuse me, that particular battle. Now, before arriving to this place of peace where I am today, I had those very same questions. But then I realized how much of an honor it is to be trusted by God with such a gift. God paid an expensive price for my gift to have lost my innocence as a child and to be restored and made whole again in order to carry the burden of hundreds of women and children is just astonishing to me. And after reconciling with the fact that I'm worth his salvation, I began to thank God for his past, present and future struggles, because here's what I know. Suffering produces perseverance, endurance, character and hope, all things that will lead to change. And you most certainly have to change. You have to break the mold and shift because in order to become a better, healthier version of you, you have to constantly change, evolve, and adapt. Deepak Mahotra, the author of I Moved Your Cheese, not who moved my cheese, but I moved your cheese, wrote, if you do not change, you will become extinct, meaning you will have wasted all of that goodness that's deep down on the inside of you. Remember, wholeness is the key to liberation and liberation is the key to obtaining a life of abundance. But we must remain hopeful and faithful, trusting that what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And we can't allow our past or even people to taint the glory and the salvation that has been placed on your life. I remember when I first launched I Am Beautiful because I was getting so much great support and accolades for starting such a program. But there was this one encounter that sticks out the most to me. And that is someone said to me, why would you name an organization about child sexual abuse beautiful? There's nothing beautiful about that. And immediately I was taken aback and was offended only to realize that this person had not had the same paradigm shift in seeing the beauty that comes from child sexual abuse. Yes, it's a horrible thing that no one should ever have to face. However, the beauty that comes out of it is those such as myself that have been transformed or countered what the statistics say we should be due to our adverse experiences. 
I should be a prostitute. I should be strung out on drugs or maybe even homeless. Yet I'm not. I'm actually the complete opposite. I'm a great mother. I have a stable household and finances. And I'm a law school graduate. I mean, I can go on and on about the beautiful person I persevered into by the grace of God and through my adverse childhood experiences. And so my hopes is that you have gained an understanding of the necessity of taking inventory of your trauma-associated behaviors and efforts to gain a clearer view of the necessary steps to take on your journey to wholeness. This was such a heavy episode, and I pray that you all listening are safe and feel inspired to do the work. Thank you for your ear, and I can't wait to hear your feedback about your journey and to share with you all next week. Until next time, stay peaceful, stay calm, relaxed, and be free.